Welcome to our favorite patrons in the whole wide world. How are you guys doing today? Welcome to True Hauntings and Scary Stories bonus episodes that only you guys get to hear. Because you're super awesome. Yes, they are. What, what? I should probably stop doing that. It's a little annoying. <laughs> the what, what? Yeah. It's part of your personnel. Like, we got to put that on a t-shirt with the what, what, <laughs> and the good night, and the hard pass. And... <laughs> nice. <laughs> All those annoying things that I say, you can now wear on your chest. <laughs> yes. Not yet, though. We haven't done it yet. But I will eventually. I do intend to do that. about it. Yeah. Pondering. So today, on our bonus episode, we are going to talk about Irish vampires. This this hits ho- close to home for you because you're you're Irish. I am a little bit Irish. That is true. My maiden name is very Irish, and I think when they moved over to the U.S., they changed it slightly, you know, to mm-hmm. blend in better. But yeah, I am Irish. That is true. So you know, pale skin, blue eyes, dark hair, <laughs> freckles, <laughs> freckles. Girl, I got the freckles. So. Irish vampire. So you go first because I love the story that you're going to tell. I read about it and I'm in love. Okay. I, and I have a female vampire. Do you have a female vampire too? No, mine is talking about many vampires. But okay. They are not female. Okay. So yours technically is a vampiress. Vampire. Yes, that's true. Mm-hmm. That's true. I I did my research on this, and I went a little bit of a different direction in telling y'all the the story of this vampire by actually writing a story on it. So you guys will let me know what you think. I had a lot of fun writing this. This is the story of Daruga Dwa. That, that's how you pronounce it in in Irish because it has Celtic origins instead of Gaelic origins. Mm-hmm. And Daruga du uh, Dwa, excuse me, Daruga Dwa uh, translates to red thirst, roughly. Over 2,000 years ago lived a young, beautiful woman in what is now known as Waterford City, Ireland. She was so beautiful and kind that all men wanted her and women wanted to be her. However, her heart belonged only to one, a young peasant boy in her village. They spoke often of marriage and children and what their life would be like together. The woman's father, however, had plan- had other plans. He arranged her marriage with a ruthless but wealthy chieftain of a near- neighboring village. The young woman was heartbroken, knowing that she could not be with her love, but also that she could not defy her father. After the wedding and the large dowry was complete, the young bride was now at the mercy of her husband. In order to keep her beauty to himself, the chieftain would keep her locked away in a tower, only visiting her to abuse her in every way imaginable, including making her bleed just to watch the crimson blood spill over her porcelain skin. After months of torture, the young bride lost all hope that her bow would come to her rescue. She took control in the only way she could, by refusing to eat. After a slow, painful wasting away, the young woman took her last breath, and with that last breath renounced God and all that he stood for. 
even with the chieftain's vast wealth, she had a modest burial. The villagers laid the body to rest at under the strongbow tree, or so they thought. Tradition dictates that you place stones under on top of a new grave in order to keep the newly dead from rising. However, the villagers did not keep to this practice for the young woman. Perhaps they felt guilty for not doing anything to save her. On the first night in the ground, the young woman rose from the earth, her beaten and bruised soul now twisted and rotten with the desire for revenge. She made her way to her husband's chambers only to find him in bed with several other women. She ascended onto her husband, draining the life from him as he had drained her. She then made her way to her father's village, coming upon him leaving the local pub where he was still relishing in his newfound wealth. The torn beauty lured her father into a darkened alley and took his life as well, down to the last drop. Daruga Dwa was born. It is said that to this day she will lure young men with her beauty and siren song to their death, sinking her fangs into their necks and drinking their blood. Each year, villagers and passerbys place stones under a tree close to Reginald's Tower in Waterford City in hopes to keep her in her grave. I love that story. (laughs) I'm only disappointed that I didn't think of it myself. (laughs) Because that would make one hell of a short story. (laughs) It would. It would. And you are, of course, more than welcome because there is lots of lots of different bits and pieces out there but it is true that Mm -hmm. the the city is not was not called waterford city back then um it was over two thousand years ago that this story takes place uh the city is now called waterford city Mm -hmm. and there is a large tree that is next to a place called reginald's tower in waterford city and uh, locals um, believe that that is the strongbow tree that she might have been buried under. Mm-hmm. So that's there. There is stacks of of rocks and stones under that tree mm. and stuff like that. So I thought that was really cool because that is that was something that had been. Um, tradition for many, many generations was to place stones on top of, of a new grave mm-hmm. to keep the dead from rising. Like that is actually a thing. Yeah. So. It is assumed that she was a real person and that this mm-hmm. main story is, is her life story, but that they weren't exactly sure how she killed herself. They said that she could have starved herself. She could have hung herself or she could have poisoned herself. And they weren't sure which one of those three. But to me, just like in your story, I feel like starving yourself seems the most logical, albeit probably the worst way. But it does seem the most logical for her in her situation. I don't know that she would have had access to poison. I'm not sure if she could have hung herself. She could have, I suppose. But I feel like starvation sounds like it was probably the way. Yeah, most of the stories that I read were that she either starved herself or she flung herself from the tower. Ah. Uh, but either way, in in those those days um, with Christian religion and then um, the religion that the Celtics followed and everything, uh, 
regardless, suicide, however you did it, was a big no-no. Yeah. So her soul was um, technically damned regardless because she had committed suicide, whether it was through Mm -hmm. starvation or poison or hanging or, you know, jumping or anything like that. So I read one website that said um, that the townspeople that before she married this guy, she was kind of known not just as a beauty, but also as a very sweet and kind person And that when she died in this way, they were supposed to put stones and stuff on top of her grave, but they chose not to because they felt like she was such a wonderful person in life that she would not fall victim to, you know, the whole coming back from Mm -hmm. the grave and all that. So they they actually chose not to do that to her grave. And look what happened. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Look what happened. And and she, I do agree with you that she was a real person. The uh, peasant boy was a real person. Her father, the, the chieftain of the village, you know, the person that she married was real. I tried to look for names, but so many yeah. articles that I read just said that they'd been, they'd been lost mm-hmm. over the years because Daruga Dwa had taken over her persona. So. Yeah. Another fun fact to go along with this. So you, we we all know Bram Stoker, mm-hmm. right? Of course. You guys know Bram Stoker. Everyone loves Dracula, either the book and the movie, because Keanu Reeves and Gary Oldman. Oh, my. <laughs> so Abraham, which was his actual name, he went by Bram Stoker. He's actually an Irish native. Nice. Yeah. So Dracula was written in 1897. And his Drac- uh, Dracula, Lord, Bram Stoker was a rather sickly child. So he was kept in a lot. He didn't go out to get to go out and play all the time like normal little boys would. So his mother, Charlotte, told him lots and lots of stories because she was an aspiring writer as well. Mm-hmm. So he was raised on tales of of Nosferatu and Vlad the Vlad the Impaler and everything mm-hmm. like that and so there is speculation that Daruga Dwa was also part of the influence for Dracula or at the very least his brides. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was kind of fun. Very cool. Love it, love it. So I'm going to talk about something slightly different. It's still vampires. But what I found when I was researching Irish vampires in general is I found an article that was called Deviance, the Rising of the Dead. Ooh, that sounds cool. And I'll leave links for these things in the show notes as always. So this website I found has lots of different uh, vampire legends on it that are specifically Irish. But I kind of liked this one because it really ties it into real life. So this one is called Deviance, the Rising of the Dead. So Deviance, like a deviant burial, is basically when they the townspeople suspect you of being, you know, a vampire or a witch or whatever, zombie, and they bury you in a way that they believe traps you in the grave. So like nice. putting the stones on the grave, that would be considered a deviant burial. Okay. Um, burying you with a stake through the heart heart that would be one so 
This one is basically, okay, so I'll just read it. The Kiltasheen Archaeological Project was a joint effort between Sligo Institute of Technology and St. Louis University. They were tasked with searching for a medieval bishop's palace in use until abandonment following the arrival of the plague in the middle of the 14th century. They began their excavation beneath flagstones in quiet fields in Kiltasheen County, Rosecommon, in 2005. The first shock discovery was that directly under the stones were the crushed skeletons of many humans, piled several deep in shallow graves. The shallowness, together with the positioning of the flagstones, indicated that the builders knew they were burying directly on top of a graveyard containing upwards of 3,000 corpses. Good Lord. It was further discovered that on the perimeter of the graveyard were two further burial plots, just two. Once excavations began, it became clear that those were no ordinary internments. The deceased had been buried in a manner conducive to what is historically known as a deviant burial. Once the skeletons were revealed, the violent, horrific nature of their postmortem treatment became clear. Yes. They were both male, so both men, and said the men had been buried during different time periods completely. So they were not of the same time period, many, many years apart, hundreds of years apart, maybe. These remains were found in the same grave? Off to the side, off by okay. themselves, like okay. outside of the graveyard perimeter. Okay. Which is another way of doing a deviant burial. They will bury you outside of the... You're excluded from the club. Yes. <laughs> You're in timeout over there. <laughs> so the men had been buried during different time periods. There were no genetic similarities and their ages varied by some 20 years or so. However, they were connected in a most disturbing manner. Each body was subjected to the breakage of arms, legs, hands, and feet. The limbs were then folded inward and bound around a large boulder. Oh, my Lord. Both men had a rock wedged so firmly into his mouth that his jaws were close, were close to snapping apart. I mean, at least you're dead when they did all this to you. That is true. But listen to this. These Comma. men were not <laughs> these men were not being laid to rest. They were being grotesquely violated and weighed down to ensure they would not return from from the dead. The other interesting observation was that the men had not died of natural causes. Blade marks were clearly visible upon the bones. So it's believed that these men were killed because they were odd or whatever, and then done this way. Like they, okay, so imagine they've got a big boulder. They break the man's arms and legs and hands and feet um, mm -hmm. so that he can't, rise up and walk on the earth, but they also then use those broken limbs and just wrap him around this boulder and tie him to it so that even if he wanted to use those broken limbs, he can't do it. Can you imagine like a zombie just walking around with a big old rock in his mouth though, carrying around <laughs> a, a giant boulder? Yeah. That would be kind of hilarious. When I first read this, I thought 
the rock in the mouth, maybe if they thought they were vampires, maybe they were trying to keep them from being able to bite people. Mm -hmm. But as I researched it, I discovered that back then they believed that the window to the soul was through the mouth. So they would put the stone in the mouth to keep the soul in there. Like, so it couldn't like escape or whatever, I guess. Not the eyes? I always thought the eyes were the window to the soul. <laughs> yeah, that's what we say nowadays. But back then, it was the mouth. Isn't that All weird? Right. Or maybe they put the rock to keep the soul from re-entering the body. I'm not sure. But either way, the rock was supposed to block the soul. All kinds of stuff. And yeah. you can't bite me. So just... True. Poo-poo <laughs> on that. Yeah. So I thought that was a pretty interesting um, article. Um, by the way, the bones, let's see, the, they found them in about the seventh century time period in this Kiltasheen, Ireland. And there was 137 skeletons in this burial site, but only two of them were the deviant burials that were off to the side, excluded from the rest. And with all this weird stuff done to them. Carbon dating puts those skeletons between 600 and 800 CE. And one was aged approximately guessed to be between 40 and 60. And the other one was between 20 and 30 years old. Wow. Now what is CE? I don't know. I'm going to Google it real quick. Because I, I remember thinking, what does that mean? And then I forgot to. <laughs> right. Because we know that. A.D. is after death, and, and B.C. is before Christ. Yes. Oh, classical era. So classical era, it's the secular equivalent to A.D. Ah, okay. okay. That makes sense. Which means in the year of the Lord in Latin. Mm -hmm. That's what A.D. means. So, yeah, C.E. is is like uh, us heathen people, secular people. Yeah. <laughs> That's AD you for atheists. us. <laughs> now, now, we shouldn't talk about such things. Mm -mm. <laughs> but it's okay to talk about vampires yeah. and crushing people's bones around rocks. Yeah. If you're confused <laughs> about my little comment there, you just look at my reviews and you'll find the one where you'll, th then you'll know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Pretty sure our patrons are, are way they cooler than that. Oh, for sure. Anywho, all the different, I, I had the thought after reading this article, I thought, well, exactly what kinds of ways can you do a deviant burial? So I looked up like all the different variations of a deviant burial. So the most classic one that everybody's heard of is burying someone with a stake through the heart so that they can't rise again or whatever. Right. We, we see that in all kinds of movies and stuff. Vampire movies. And you have to stake through the heart and make sure it connects with the coffin to pin them in. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Interesting. It makes sense, you know. So, um, buried outside of a graveyard perimeter, prone burials. So, basically, that's burying the person face down instead of face up. Prone oh, burial. That's, that's really bad. Like, yeah, you, so you done fucked up A.A. Ron if you got buried face down. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> we quote that all the time in this house. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, whenever my husband or I piss each other off, we're like, you done messed up, A.A. Ron. <laughs> we swear a lot in our house, so sorry, patrons, if you're not down with that. <laughs> no, they're It'll used to It'll come out us. every once in a while. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're cool. They're cool. Okay, so prone burials. So yeah, if you got buried face down, you did some bad, bad stuff. Mm-hmm. So decapitation. So they would chop your head off. Now, I've heard decapitation both for witches and vampires. Mm. I have two. I have two. So another way to do a deviant burial is to bury the person in an unusual place. So outside of the perimeter of the graveyard could be considered that. But they might also bury them under a specific tree out on the outskirts of their village like the strongbow tree for yeah, for yeah. our red lady. Yep, indeed. Amputations. They will amputate your legs and your arms so that oh. you can't, you know, come back in your body. Um, stones placed on the grave. We talked about that. That's to kind of pin you into your grave and not let you out. Mm-hmm. Um, stones placed in the mouth. Talked about that. Stake through the heart. Talked about that. Not buried east to west. So in Christian communities, a Christian burial back then was buried east to west. So I'm guessing your head was east and your feet pointed west. So a deviant burial, they would not bury you that way. They would bury you, I guess, north to south or south to north. Who knows? I did not know that. Yep. They would also put an iron cage over your grave. I've seen pictures of those. Those look really cool. Oh, I want to see a picture of that. An iron cage? Yeah. You had to do some screwed up shit to get an iron cage. Like, can you imagine the the amount of work it took to get the iron and then mm-hmm. form it into a cage? Like, that's some effort. Yeah. I want to know what you did to deserve an iron cage. Iron cages, I found, were on vampires, witches, and zombies, all three. Because basically, it just stops you from escaping your that's grave, true. I guess. Iron bars. Yeah. That's why jails have iron bars. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. Nice. Just as an added protection in case you happen to arrest a vampire. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as these things happen. <laughs> uh, but iron was thought to be a pure metal. So if you had a... a darkened soul basically you Mm -hmm. could not pass through iron which is where it comes into folklore with uh, vampires and Mm. and witches and all those kind of stuff um that's why on supernatural they're always using iron (laughs) iron (laughs) uh fireplace pokers and stuff like that nice Um, then lastly, broken limbs, which we talked about, they would break your limbs after you died so that you could not use those limbs effectively to get out of your, um, tomb or whatever grave and then tied to a boulder, obviously, (laughs) as our poor folks here were, were done. So that's a lot of different. Yeah. I did not know about people being tied to boulders. I knew about rocks on graves, uh, But in Western culture, from what I'd always read, you did it so that wildlife wouldn't dig up and eat your remains. You could Mm. actually be at rest. But in that's more U.S. based because we're the newest 
addition to the world, basically. <laughs> but, you know, back in Ireland, those those guys have been around for since before CE. <laughs> <laughs> and so if that makes sense. Yeah. Keep keeping you down. So that's what I've got for Irish vampires. I like it. Yeah. I didn't know some of that stuff. I learned some new things doing this one, which I always love. Yeah. So, and by the way, uh, I didn't mention at the beginning, but we did do this um, topic because I did a poll for all of you patrons and I put on there, which one of these things do you want to hear about? And it tied for two different things. So we, we chose the vampire one, obviously. And then uh, we just decided to make it an Irish vampires thing. So we talked about the vampire that you guys voted for. And then we also kind of veered off and just talked about Irish vampire lore in general. Mm-hmm. So there you have it. So who knows? Maybe next month we'll have to do Banshees since that was the runner yeah. up. That's a good idea. We should do that. Thank you, patrons. You guys are our favorite. You make our the favorites show go. Of the favorites. Mm-hmm. Enjoy those mystery boxes. Yes, yes. They're coming like any day now. I am a little delayed this month. This is July 2022, and I did get COVID at the beginning of the month. So, um, shame. I know. Shame. I know. I'm such a disappointment. <laughs> I'm going to so, send you a rock and be like, put this in your mouth. Yeah. So I'm a little behind on it, but I will be packing the boxes up in the next day or two, and they should hit the mail, like, very soon this week, within the next couple days, probably. So it's a little later. You're getting them at the, toward the end of the month, but you will still get them in July, and I apologize about that. I just wanted to give it an extra week. Like, I did the quarantine that the doctor recommended, but then I waited an extra week after that before I started like mailing stuff out because just to be Keep sure your germies off the boxes <laughs> just to be sure Cindy has cooties I do have cooties literally <laughs> <laughs> she did divulge to me her secret for the October mystery Ooh. box though and it is gonna be super cool guys and so. very creepy just yes. in time for Halloween too I can't wait that's going to be a fun box to put together. Mm-hmm. So it won't be it won't be your typical Halloween themed box like last year's was. It's this this is going to be a good one. This is going to be a deep one. So yes. October it's coming. All right, you guys, we love you. We're signing off. Stay spooky. Yeah, we'll spook you later. <laughs> <laughs>